Hey, Dad. Hi. So I was at a conference a couple weeks ago, a ministry pastors conference, and those tend to generally stress me out in general because I usually feel like I'm not doing enough. But what was interesting is uh, they were really, I think, in tune with where a lot of people are in ministry right now. And the first two guys that got up and spoke, um, the first one talked about really the importance of taking rest. And uh, he said, he talked about how when Elijah um, had you know done his miracle thing where he called down the, the fire yeah. from heaven, then he ran off and, and was like, oh no, I'm like, it's over, I'm done. And, and God basically told him to take a nap. Yeah. And this guy was like, may I propose to you that after we've gone through the last two years, we need two naps? <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's really, yeah. it was really encouraging. And then another lady was talking about grieving and, and how we, we just want, we push and push and push. And man, it felt really good to hear that. I was like, that is yeah. really encouraging. I've gone back to that two nap thing too, because literally some days I feel like I need two naps. And it, you know, I'm a pretty strong person, I feel like, but I just been exhausted and tired. And there's just this kind of general air of anxiety and yeah. anger and all around us. So that was like awesome. Well, then this third girl got up, and she's a very famous person. She's written a bunch of books, and, and I've always you know, had a positive view of her, but, but she got up, and it was the most weird thing after we had, it was almost like whiplash. Like she hadn't even heard what the two people before her said, and she got up and she said, if Jesus came back in 10 years, what would you be, would you feel guilty for how lazy you're being? All of you. <laughs> and she literally starts going off about how lazy people are. And then, but then she's like, but I know you aren't, but all these lazy people. And I'm like, what is going on uh, in this poor woman's head? She sounded tormented and a little bit angry at people. Yeah. And I thought, man, it feels like, and I, and I kind of wondered, you know, there's just certain personality types that are real driven personalities. I'm one of them. Um, the Enneagram threes, the Enneagram eights, um, We've all got some sort of a drive, but some are just really driven to achieve, 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 achieve. And I kind of wonder if maybe things kind of came to a grinding halt over the last two years uh, for her. I, this is just purely conjecture. I don't know, but thinking psychologically. And, and she was feeling thwarted and blocked goals. Like there's all this stuff we have to do. The kingdom, like Jesus is coming. Yeah. We have to do this. And it started stressing me out after it. I felt, <laughs> you were ready to take a nap. I was like, oh man, I'm going to go take two naps. <laughs> but I thought, what, what an interesting thing. And, and it's got me thinking about how many of us, we, you know, Jesus, one of his famous things, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest, he says. Uh-huh. And I just think that, man, you know, one of the things that was good about COVID is it kind of forced us to slow down. But I feel like a lot of us are trying to make up for lost time and we're on the verge of not getting any benefit from the two years we had to slow down. I see, like, I just see that with construction. Like, it seems like there's triple the amount of construction there was. And Emily, like, why is there construction everywhere in our town? It's like, well, I think they're trying to make up for the two years they couldn't get anything done. And I just wonder if a lot of people in ministry or in our lives were feeling like, we got to make up for lost time. I've been flying a lot lately and every flight packed with people. People are pulling their kids out of school, just going on vacation. I saw a family the other day. I was like, hey, did you take your kids out of school? And they're like, yeah, during COVID, we realized who cares? Who cares about school? And they like took a vacation. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, it's just interesting to me. But my point is this. I feel like a lot of people, we, we did a podcast on burnout that got a lot of great response. But I feel like a lot of us, we feel this sense that we've got to make up for lost time. And maybe in ministry, it's like what, what that girl said ranting from the stage, don't you know Jesus is coming back and you're a lazy bum? And yeah. maybe some people need that. I, I'm guessing some people need to hear that, like step it up a notch. But I, I don't. <laughs> I need yeah. to hear calm it down a notch. God's in control. He's has saved the world and you don't have to. Like that's Yeah. 
I remember one pastor putting it this way. He was, you know, the Lord spoke to him. He said, you know, I already died for my church. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I think sometimes we get this Messiah complex. Mm. And if if you just, the bottom line is this, and here I go back. To, I, I seem to have this one string guitar, you know, and I keep going back to the same string. But it's like when you stand before the Lord at the end of it all, do you think he's going to look at you and say, man, there, you know, there were so many people that I wanted to save, but you failed me. Wow. You weren't busy enough. That's a heavy weight. You, you, you know, if, if it's that, if that's the case, I'll become a Calvinist, man. <laughs> it's a good reason to change your theology and that's become right. apathetic, right? That's right, exactly. A Calvinist meaning God already predestined who's going to get saved yeah, anyways. Those, that would be an extreme Calvinism view. Yeah, but you're yeah. going to be saved or you won't be saved, yeah. whatever. It doesn't make any difference what I do. Um, Which the Calvinists would say, no, that's actually what drives us is the idea well, that we don't know who God's elect are. I so, know, yeah, I know, anyway. and I appreciate that, and I believe it. Too. A little, so a little humor there. Everywhere. But the point is that, um, you know, I think there are those people that God has put a call on to make a major difference and save the world. Like, let's take, for instance, Moses. I mean, he had to save the whole Jewish nation. But you notice he wasn't really stressed out over it. In fact, he didn't want to do it. And then he kind of, and then at one point in time, he felt like he had to be the judge of everything. And so he was the only one. And remember, he got rebuked for that. That's right. His father, Jethro, father, Jethro, father Jethro was like, dude, you can't do this. You can't do it. You've got to trust it to other people. And mm -hmm. so he was brought other people on board. And then all he did was, well, if you guys can't settle it, bring the big ones to me. You know, and so he had some time to chill out and relax. Even Jesus, who literally was sent to save the world, yeah. <laughs> he kind of looks like he just sort of moseyed about. I mean, but, it kind of says he did. But that's a potent statement, what you said there. You've got to trust the people he brought with you. Yeah. And that's essentially what Jesus did. He's like, well, I'm going to spend my time hanging out with these guys. And, right. And they're a ragtag crew, but these are the ones I'm going to use. Yeah, you think about it. Even Jesus had to bring on a team that he had to entrust to, which you look at that group, or you look at any group of people to trust such a big mission to, yeah, I don't know, God, I'm not sure that was such a good decision. But it was, obviously, because he chose to bring him on. And, and it says he went about doing good. He had time to get up in the mornings and spend time with the Father. He had time to withdraw from ministry. Well, he even took naps in the boat. Yeah, he fell asleep <laughs> in the boat. And, and a part of that is he, you know, he was tired. But the point is, I think that first fellow that you mentioned, Elijah was suicidal after that. When we engage and when we pour ourselves out in ministry, there's an emotional drain that takes place we may not be aware of. Yeah, I, I think that's true in anything. Anytime you're walking in your calling and you're pouring yourself out, it's very energizing while you're doing exactly. it. Exactly. But there's going to be a lot of danger on the backside of it that yeah. you get worn out, depressed, discouraged. Because you're all energized, and then after that, the adrenaline stops, and boom, you, you have an emotional crash. Right. You see, I mean, I've seen that with business guys. They're like, dude, I just closed the biggest deal of my yeah. life, and I just like want to quit and give up. And I'm like... You're at the top of your game. Like, yeah, I'm like, well, the key isn't to give up. The key is to rest. Yes, exactly. And because that is what life is like. It's just an emotional thing. And if you think you can stay on that high energy for a while, I was at a conference too, um, a number of years ago, actually. And it was when I, I was trying to figure out, we had taken over this new church and I was, and I realized it was a missions community. You know, I was in the U.S., but it was like, my goodness, this is a missionary job here. I got to figure out how to reach these people. So I went to this conference, a couple of pastors that were being pretty successful at doing it. And as one of the, the older pastor, I say older, he was probably in his forties at the time. He started talking about, yeah, he mentioned that he had had an emotional breakdown. 
Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, whoa. And then the younger pastor who was hosting it, probably in his 20s, 30s, he referred to his emotional breakdown. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is not God. Right. If you are running that hard to grow a church, um, I just don't know if that's pleasing to the Lord because obviously you went beyond the mark and your body has a way of slowing you down one way or another. Yeah, what's that book? There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score uh, by uh-huh. Gabor Mate and he basically is like, your body will tell you what's up. It does. And it's the old saying is this, you need to come apart before you come apart. Mm. In other words, Jesus, the old King James, he would come apart to spend time with the Father and to just rest and just relax. And if you don't do that, you can only run for so long until your body says, enough, I'm done, I yeah. quit, you know? Yeah. And your body quits, and you've got to quit with it. So you, 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 we aren't meant to run on the high adrenaline all the time. And you referred earlier to where Jesus said, um, you know, come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden. He said this, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy mm. and my burden is light. I remember years ago, a fellow telling me this. He said, you know, Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. If the burden you're carrying is heavy and the yoke that you're bearing is hard and difficult and a struggle, then you don't have his yoke. That's hard because I think those who specifically feel very called or driven in a specific area, it can feel like a burden. I feel that way about writing. Like when I'm not spending time writing... I feel like my world is unraveling. And then when I sit down and write, it's like, oh, okay, I'm doing what I'm called to do. But if I don't do it for two or three weeks, I go, I freak out. And so it can feel like this burden. So it's like, how do you navigate? Yes, it's a burden because it's part of your calling, but it's also not going to be. Well, again, when you're walking in your calling, though, you're saying it's not a burden. It's not. It's when I don't do it that it becomes a burden in some ways. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, and I mean, that has to be taken in a balance too, because there are those difficult times in life. I mean, their struggle is, uh, it's a part of life. Yeah. It's just a part of life. It's a part of, you know, you don't build muscles without resistance and you don't go through life. You don't get stronger in life without resistance. Yeah. And so there will be times of resistance. There will be times that, yeah, life is just hard, you know? And, you know, it's like the guy he said, you know, they told me, cheer up, things could get worse. So. I cheered up and cheered up. Things got worse, you know? And so sometimes that's the way you feel in life. Um, and so there are those times of difficulty, but I believe if we're constantly under this burden of, I've got to make the church grow, or I've got to make my business grow, or I've got to, uh, that's probably not healthy. I think about, I think of mothers that carry that weight too. Like I've got to instill in my children this or that, or I've yeah. got to be the perfect mother that gives them the nurturing that they need. Yeah. And, and, you think somehow, I think it's a misplaced, like for instance, in the mom situation, you think somehow you've got to communicate these 12 things to your kids and that's for them to be successful. Pretty much though, who you are more than what you say and what you do is what's going to be communicated to them. And so if you're all stressed out, I got to wow. make my, you know, I got, you're communicating the wrong thing to that's your kids. That's a good kids, point. I mean, you know? we know more is caught than taught. And yeah. so like, you're like, you know, cast all your cares on the Lord, but they're looking at your life and like, I heard somebody say, the reason your kids don't listen to you because they're too busy watching you. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, but that's true. That's a good point. Like if they see your anxiety and yet you're telling them, we cast all our cares on the Lord. Uh, if you're not walking in that, they're going to figure out that anxiety is, you know, it's going to become the norm for them. Yeah. That's and, a great point. That's so great the, yeah, you, you, you pretty much just be who you need to be. And a lot of that will take care of itself. Well, so, and I was thinking too, like, you know, with that message that girl shared, uh, that lady shared, um, you know, probably 
maybe one in five people need to hear like pick, step up and do something. I'm right. guessing anybody listening to the podcast, I, I found people who listen to podcasts don't use any of that message. Exactly. They, need the, they need the back off message. I was yeah. thinking that too. The people who were at that conference were probably not the people who needed that. And you know, you wonder, was it her own guilt in dealing with it? And then, then I say this, I say, let's look at her life five years from now. Man, that's a good point too. You talked about in that burnout podcast, how you, you looked at so many people and you're like, What's the result of yeah. their overdriven save the world nature? And like, I was at a funeral recently and um, there were like a thousand people at this funeral and it was crazy. And this guy had done like so much for so many people. And then when I had a conversation afterwards, because um, I, I just, it was fascinating to me because so many people were just like, this guy saved my life. And his family, actually, his kids felt like uh, they really, they had a good relationship with him. But had been divorced in the past. Um, he had had some really hard times in ministry, bumping up against other people, and it's just like. And I know there's there's some ways you don't get around that, but you it is true. It's like sometimes the results of of your, you know, again, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. You got to look yeah. at the end and go, yeah, was it worth all of that? And I don't know. Emily and I were debating. She's like, I was like, man, I'd love to have a thousand people at my funeral. And she's like, yeah, but at what cost? And I was like, yeah. well, that's a good point. And, it, and you better die young to do that. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, was that, that's that guy that was in his 100, 100 birthday, and they asked him, uh, what do you have to say at 100 years old? And he's like, I'm happy to say that at 100 years old, I don't have an enemy in the world. And they said, that's so beautiful. And he goes, yeah, that's because I outlived every last one of those son of a guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No peer true. pressure at that age either because yeah, there's nobody else. Yeah, so. But and he, she was saying, she's like, I don't know. I, I think I would feel more honored just having my close people around me that I made the most impact on. I'm like, how interesting. That's a different perspective. Yeah. Like we want to have a massive impact and save, you know, as many people as we can, you know, say, oh yeah, thanks yeah. to you I came. But maybe that's... The, you know, the problem is that you have to live long enough to look back and say, oh, that was a good philosophy of life that they, they espoused. And the problem is you can't tell when they're in the middle of it because it can sound really good and they can sound really confident. Right. The people out saving the world. Yeah. And, and then the ones telling you, why aren't you doing more? Yeah. yeah. That, that can sound good and that can make you feel bad. But, and, and the problem is you can't see the end of their life. And you often can't see behind the curtain what's going on. Right. Even, even at this moment now. Yeah. yeah. What is the anger? I remember I was at a conference one time and there was this guy speaking and uh, man, he was just all fired up and he was an evangelist and he was going to come to town. He was getting all the pastors together. I'm going to come to town. We're going to save this town. And and when we went away, I was talking with an older pastor there with me, Sam Kelly. And as we're walking to the car, I go, wow, that guy was really anointed, which was a term we used for spitting fire and fire that sort up. of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and he just looked at me and says, never confuse anointing with anger. Wow. And I thought, hmm, yeah. well, a few, about two years later, that guy had a revolutionary change in his life. And he came out and admitted that he had always been angry. And he said, most of my ministry was done out of anger rather than out of fear of the Lord or anything like that or any good wow. good motive. And I thought, man, how insightful that was. He, I was all overwhelmed by the power and the, the this guy. I mean, he's still on TV today. I mean, this is a well-known evangelist. He totally changed, so he had a real encounter with God. Huh. And uh, it's just interesting because I thought... I was just overwhelmed with the noise and the presence and the, the confidence of this guy. And here this older fellow is just able to look at me. Oh, he's just an angry guy. You know, that, that's, that's what I sensed in this talk. Just anger. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, 
angry, maybe angry at herself. Yeah, maybe disappointed with yourself. Yeah, frustrated like, with myself. I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah, it's just just it's 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 very intriguing to me. And the weird thing about it was it was like whiplash. It was like right yeah. on the back. I'm like, did she not listen to the two people that came before her? Like, I changed my message. She a was out bit. doing something else. She was probably on the phone counseling. Yeah, she was probably and- saving three people while we were being told to take two naps. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a. That's um, I mean, it's a constant struggle for me, and I think you're right that like when I feel the burden getting heavy, that's my sign that I'm not taking on Jesus's burden. I'm taking on my burden, or I'm yeah. creating a burden because I've been that way lately too. I, you know, we've been in a major transition at home here and um, trying to figure out what we're doing next. And man, when I when I start to think about the layers of what's got to happen, I start freaking out. And, yeah. and Emily and I start getting into fights about stuff. And yeah, but then when we just, she always tells me, she's like, "You just got to let it go." And when I let it go, it's like God will like, you know, I, I'm waiting for a call from somebody for like, you know, seven days, nothing, nothing. Finally, I'm like, whatever, God, I give up, whatever. If we have to live under a bridge, fine, you know, whatever. And then I get the call like literally 20 minutes later. It's, it's yeah. all, you know, you hear these Zen things are like, once you let it go, what you let go will fly back to you. It's like, I don't know about all that, but there's something to letting, I hate to say it this way, but it's so horrible. Let it go and let God, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, let, there is something to that. Like there is, there and is. he's going to accomplish his work. That's the great promise. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Yeah, um, in you, and I think also in the world. Yeah, I despise that quote to let go and let God. But I think it's yeah. because of the way most people apply it. All I do is just sit back and I do nothing. They're no. they're the ones that need to hear the message from the ra- yeah, raging it. lunatic up front. What are you doing with your lazy bum life? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But but if you take it as a matter of okay, I'm going to let go of the responsibility of this. I'm going to keep walking faithfully before the Lord. I'm do what's keep, in front of you. Yeah, do what do what my hands find to do. Do it with all my might waiting upon the Lord, we've talked about this before, looking at it more like being a waiter at a restaurant. I'm just going to continue to serve where I see an opportunity to serve people and be a blessing. I'm going to do that. It's not just sitting on the couch watching TV, waiting for you know the angel to knock on the door. Right. But it's looking for opportunities to serve and just do what your hands find to do. And, not, and then you let go of the responsibility of that, realize he's in charge of saving the world and he's already done all that's necessary for that. And then you just take advantage of the opportunities that you see come your way. That is that is how it gets done. It's usually getting done when you don't realize it's getting done. Yes. Uh, was it Reinhard Bonnke? He said, those who forever seek the will of God are overrun by those who do it. <laughs> who are doing it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. most people who are just like, God, speak to me. Like, you know, maybe you just need to like do what's in front of you and you find yourself, God was speaking to you through yeah, doing the thing in front of you, and that's the will of God for your life, right? Yeah, it's that Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, not knowing where we're going sometimes, but He's guiding even though we're not always aware of it. This podcast was produced by Alex Burleson, alexburleson.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more from Joel, you can visit joelmalm.com. Or if you want more from Rick, you can visit rickmalm.com. Please consider leaving a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you downloaded this podcast. Thanks again for listening.